Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr back in the saddle. Good to see you. And uh, another tough loss. Damon brought in three handles of rum. He is the rum connoisseur. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Damon Barr. That's two R's. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Hey, you've had plenty of time to... Sulk, process, maybe you've rewatched Nebraska, Iowa, and you're like, man, maybe it'll turn out different. It didn't. 26 to 20, Nebraska was right there, had the football, a chance to drive, a chance to win. But I got to ask you numbers to get in 466 3776, 466 3776, 800 825. 5865. Nebraska gets a stop. Nebraska gets Duncan to doink. And you take over. And you're moving the football. And uh, what happens? Bad things happen. Sack, strip, fumble recovery, game over. What was your faith level like that this is the drive? This is the day. This is the game. Nebraska can put a, a two-minute drill together, get a stop, get a win, and get out of Dodge and stop that losing streak to Iowa. Were you confident that it'd be different this time? Or are you pretty dug in with 2020 and this Nebraska football team? You'll get your hopes up. Some of you have stopped getting your hopes up, and I get that. But it's, it's just going to break your heart if you put too much hope and faith into the fact it's going to be different and better. This time it'll be better. This outcome will be better. They'll find a way to win instead of finding a way to lose. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was sitting in uh, mom's living room with Uncle Mark who had departed. So we're blaming the loss on him. He left at halftime. He jinxed things. There you go. I was thinking, I immediately went positive, no no matter how many times I've seen the negative unfold. This time it'll be different, and then you're soul-crushed as a Nebraska fan. And some of you have checked out, and and I get it, but, man, I just thought it it could be different. Maybe I'm a sap. Maybe I don't learn so well. I mean, there there are lots of things that go into to plaguing Nebraska football, and some of it is recruiting. And they've recruited a lot of talent, 
There's also been a lot of attrition. Uh, Marcus Fleming, the latest to leave the program. That's five kids from the 2020 class and a lot of them from the state of Florida. We'll get into that. We'll hear from Jay Moore in about 15 minutes. We'll check in with Charlie McBride about that tough love topic. And we've hit on it before with Coach Coach McBride, but it was pretty prevalent today with just how do you reach and how do you coach kids in 2020? And, and that was the most interesting part to me, not only hearing from Adrian Martinez, but also words from Scott Frost. And you've heard Ron Brown say it on this show a lot, uh, the laboratory of love. And that is, things are, are, are modeled, whether you like it or not, and Scott said it today, Coach Frost did, model it, modeling it after his experience under Coach Osborne, modeling it after his experience at Nebraska with the, the tough love aspect. You've just, you've got a, a different situation here where guys that are supposed to police the program, not that there's rampant issues, I'm just saying your, your leaders and the guys that are holding and showing the example for younger guys, those guys that are kind of setting that, that, that accountability scale are the same guys that are making mistakes or not having their best game. You need your best players to be the leaders with that accountability. And you have a, you have a very real reality with just what type of kid you're dealing with. And as a guy that gets grayer by the day, I look at, the kids, the kids my my son plays ball with, and I look at the coaching staff that work with my kid, and that's not Division One college football in the Big Ten, but I look at their approach, and they're really awesome. I, I Junior's been lucky to be with really good coaches that care about him, but get on his ass when they when they need to, and I am kind of old school in that way. Not that I'm idiotic and have blinders on. But I have a high expectation when it comes to hustle and doing things the right way. And if you don't like something, nobody cares. Put in more work. Put in smarter work. Get better. And that's always been my approach. That's how I've been raised. And how I was raised isn't the the same way. And I'm not telling you how to raise your kids. That's not what I'm getting into. But it's an issue when we fast forward it to college football what type of kids are you bringing into the program and how do they handle adversity and you've got a guy you've got a beacon in adrian martinez right now that is the perfect example that can play a good football game and help you win but he's handled adversity the a thousand percent right way and he stayed ready and he didn't go pout and you need more guys like adrian in the program but you need talent like Marcus Fleming. You need talent like Mo Washington. You need talent like a bunch of guys that you have reached on because they are absolutely tremendous athletes. They will help your offense and defense and special teams go. But the minute that there's something they don't like or agree with, and this is a broad brush and I don't know each individual case, but it gets back to getting the right kid, not just the right athlete. And Scott Frost mentioned that. And that is uh, an issue. And it's an issue of not winning and continuing to lose and lose close games and have 
mistakes that Iowa did not force a fumble when you're trying to get great field position in the fourth quarter on a punt. Iowa has a good, a tremendous defensive tackle. But it's this movie's been ran and ran and, and rerun with the moment to kind of seize that moment and go get a winning score and what happens. Your senior captain gets beat at at let guard. He gets beat at guard, your quarterback gets rocked, and there's a fumble, game over. So it's more of the same here. It's extremely frustrating. But from an optimistic standpoint, from what you saw from Iowa, are you more optimistic about where the program's going? Because a week ago this time, nobody was optimistic. And I think you're still ticked off about Illinois. I get that. You go play. This Iowa outcome could have been the same thing, whether Nebraska beats Illinois or not. There's just added urgency to start getting some wins as you sit last last in the Big Ten West. This year's crazy. Who knows how much Nebraska will be able to finish out 2020. Minnesota's a mess with their COVID situation. What do you get for that ninth game? You have Purdue on the horizon. That's It's Purdue week. Go get that second win, and that's a coin flip game. I think Purdue's favored by a point. Programs are both very Similar. Purdue's defense is a mess. Nebraska's offense is a mess. Let's hear from Scott Frost, and we'll get your thoughts, your level of optimism here as we head into December. Have you seen some strides, or are you hitting the brakes right now with your fandom slash support for Nebraska football because it's it's continually a mistake here or there, and there's no way to nip it in the bud? Uh, that's the the real the reality right now with Nebraska, but uh, culture and leadership style and philosophy was a big talking point today. And we get into the '90s, right? the The topic of the '90s and how is that modeled, and how things were done in the '90s. Can that work today? The kids even give a damn about who Jason Peter and Grant Wistrom are, and I think some do. I think some do, and I think some may not. But the whole point of reaching back to the 90s is because it was, it was Bama before Bama, and you won. And the way they went about things uh, had a great culture and leadership, and it was paid forward, so there was no gap. And you kept winning 10, 11, 12 ball games, and – ultimately challenging for championships. That's why you play the game. You love it, you hope, but you play it because you like it. But um, is that connection with the 90s doable with today's generation? Here's Scott Frost. Uh, I don't know. We haven't had hardly anybody talk to the team all year. It's just been a strange year. Uh, It's been hard on our our team. It's hard to complain because there's people out there losing businesses and losing salaries and fighting through COVID and uh, it's certainly affected us. I think it's inf- affected our some of our young players a little bit too. Um, you know, getting getting on campus and seeing students everywhere and being able to go out in Lincoln and see Memorial Stadium full, that's certainly a benefit for us when we bring kids to Lincoln, and we haven't been able to do that. Um, 
we haven't been able to have people come speak to the team. We didn't get to spend as much time around them this summer. But I think uh, I think it's a different era. I think kids are a little different these days, but there's no reason you can't uh, motivate them to be modeled after something that obviously worked for a long time. So how do you reach guys? How do you reach teammates as a captain? How do you reach guys as a coach? How do you recruit guys here from hotbeds like Florida and keep them in the program when there's some adversity? And I don't know the full backstory on Fleming. I know he was good enough to get on the field and catch five passes for 75 yards. Why does he all of a sudden disappear? Is he ticked about playing time? Uh, You don't see much from Alante. You see a little bit from Xavier Betts. And these guys down at at 10th and Vine are adamant about making sure guys succeed. So they're not going to just throw them in. Guys also got to earn it. You can't put it on autopilot after making five catches for 75 yards and think it's your spot. And I put, and I don't know, I'm just saying you've got to bring that same level of intensity to get on the field each week. Clearly that was an issue for this football team uh, when you look back at, at Illinois, they put in the work this week for Iowa and almost got a win. Is there enough gas left in the tank? They fought to play. They are playing. It's not gone very well for them other than they are getting live game action, and that's a long-term benefit. Here's more from Adrian Martinez on the topic of tough love. This is interesting because uh, I think my opinion, my mindset towards that's kind of changed. Uh, a little bit. Um, I always kind of believe that great players, good players like to be coached hard, but people are different, you know, especially here in Nebraska. Guys come from all different types of uh, cultures and environments. So I believe it's kind of a case to case type of deal um, and, and getting to know that person, getting to know that that player and what motivates them is a big piece of that. Uh, I would say generally with with my generation, guys tend not to be tend not to like to be yelled at and stuff like that, um, especially in group settings. So little things like that you have to know in, in my position as a captain and, and trying to get on those guys, yeah. Um, I definitely do that, but I don't want to yell in front, of, in front of the whole team and embarrass them. You know, So sometimes that means pulling them aside and coaching them up that way. You have a generation that, and this was not a term that my dad coined but he calls he called it the timeout generation and how many I'll ask you Damon Damon you set the the living room carpet on fire did dad scream and yell at you this is hypothetical I hope or did he just say okay once the fire department leaves, you go sit on the front step and you think about what you did, Damon. Yeah, I go sit on the front step. That's usually where I ended up, right there. Seriously? Yeah, so, front step. Okay, so it worked. You're not a screwball. You're a hard worker. You're a smart kid. It clearly worked. <laughs> if, if I tell Junior, go to your room and think about what you've done. Uh, he's online playing Grand Theft Auto and buying some new Air Jordans or something. I mean... Ooh, (laughs) man, you're sending me to my media, I mean, my room, not my media center, my my room. I mean, it's just, it's different strokes for different folks. That's absolutely it. And the timeout thing can can resonate and work. So can getting in, in somebody's face 
and ruling through fear selectively. You know, you don't want, you don't want your kid to grow up and murder you in his sleep either. So, last thought, do we have time for Adrian here? All right, more from Adrian on that tough love topic. We'll get into it more with Coach McBride. But it's tricky. You know, it, it really is tricky. And with kind of what we stand for here at Nebraska and, um, yeah, some of that old-school tough love, there's definitely a place for that. And um, it does play a role here in our program. But if you can have the, the combination of those two, um, and some guys uh, – you know, not everyone's going to be a perfect fit. Not everyone's going to love that style, but that's that's our culture, you know, and that's what the coaches want to establish. That's what our leaders want to establish. So it's kind of that blend of the two. And um, I believe that's just the, the current state of, of the athlete, in, in my opinion. There's got to be a blend, but you have to get vocal. You have to be able to get in in the face, in the face. You have to get. You have to be able to get in people's face. But you got to be right when you do it. And I think Nebraska is still searching. Jay Moore is coming up. It's Hale Varsity presented by Nebraska Lottery. And we're back, fellas. I think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's welcome in Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore, his podcast, More To It, on the Herd At Media uh, family of network. And, of course, can see him on Big Red Wrap-Up. You hear him uh, with Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Bird, good Thanksgiving. Did you eat too much, and did it stay down during the Iowa finish? <laughs> yeah, you always eat too much. Yeah, that's... That's never a problem eating too much. I think I ate so much. And I don't, gosh, I don't remember thinking I even ate dinner. Because we had, like, we did, like, Thanksgiving lunch, you know, eat at 1230. Mm-hmm. But I ate so much for lunch. And I think, you know, I, I was so full, I held off for the pies. Then I ate the pie about 334. The next thing I know, I was like, I can't even think about eating dinner. Like, that's kind of the best part is the, the leftovers. But I had to take a break. And I ate the leftovers last night for dinner. So, yeah, I ate more than enough. Um had some good cocktails, and, but just, you know, everything, even got to play some golf. If, you know, we would have hit that, that trifecta if, if no, no, you know, if Nebraska would have been able to uh, get maybe one or two more stops and, you know, score a few more points, and then that would made, uh, made for a hell of a Thanksgiving weekend. But, uh, you know, it's rinse and repeat here. We are, again, talking about Nebraska loss. You know, and, and Nebraska played well enough to win but didn't do enough to keep from losing – Jay, I want to start off with turnovers, 13 turnovers this year. Nebraska's lost six. That leads the Big Ten in both categories. Quarterbacks have 10 of the of, of the 12 turnovers, and uh, that wasn't the case Saturday. I mean, Adrian, nothing he could do there. Blindside, uh, one of those money shots you defensive linemen love laying on quarterbacks and just frustrating uh, with the turnovers that two upperclassmen committed uh, that 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 giveaway, right, with Cam Taylor-Britt and then, of course, Farniak, who had a tough day against a really good one on the line for Iowa. But, you know, uh, you're right. It's rinse and repeat. And what did you think of the performance? And did even in a loss it give you – did you see any progress, I, I guess, is the best question – from Saturday, you know, if you want to, you know, be a little more optimistic and positive, I thought you know the defense came out and, and showed up. 
after not showing up showing up against Illinois, I thought they played outstanding. I think you, know, you held you know Iowa to 100 about 125 yards total rushing, where they've been running the ball really really well. And they got some good offensive linemen up front that will be playing on Sundays, um, as as usual, as what Ferentz always gets going there. So that, in a whole, they were physical. You know, they were able to get the one turnover by uh, Boodle. He's able to get that one. But I thought they set the edge well. They were physical linebackers played downhill. And they really couldn't do much, you know. It was just, you know, they got some field position off of, uh, you know, after we punted. You got some, you know, some good returns, you know, and you get the you get the fumbled punt that we already discussed. But you, they held them to three points a lot, you know. They gave up a couple touchdowns, but you know, you held them to the field goals a lot. Which, and nowadays in my book, those are wins for that. Those are wins for the defense. But that's what they were able to do defensively was was really really good. You know, I think Nebraska had 63 snaps total. Iowa had 75, but you hold them to 300 about 330 yards total in that in that football game. So that's that's playing damn good defense, and 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 pretty proud of them after bouncing back. You don't have Colin Miller, and after that performance you had on Illinois, uh, from Illinois the week before, that was that was a pretty gritty performance. Able to show up on a short week and 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 do that, and give your offense another chance to to win a football game. So that was that was a bright side, you know. Then just the disappointing thing of it is, you know, again it's it's you know a couple a uh, couple turnovers couple penalties you know you get the holding call when uh martinez scrambles down to oh gosh inside the 20 you know you get those called against you and again it's just untimely things that happen and that's what that's what bad football teams do that's just what you got to look at it i mean that's what when you know you're a good football team you can kind of over, overcome those mistakes they don't they don't really bite you in the butt as much but when you are not you're struggling offensively and they are, I mean, struggling to probably put that <laughs> lightly. Mm-hmm. The penalties just, you, they, this team can't overcome them. And they just kind of show up at the worst times. And turnovers show up at the worst times when you're trying to, you know, you need points and you need to move the ball. And it's just, this team just can't quite get over the hump. And I, you know, the frustrating part is, again, it's just the offensive line issues. And it's, you know, it's that's just extremely puzzling to me this year. There's too many guys, I think, playing up front that are making too many mistakes. You know, play a lot of football. I just that has to get cleaned up here. And when you have, you know, three and hopefully four games left, if there is a bowl season, you know, to, to try to get this stuff cleaned up and and build for the following year in 2021. But again, offensively, it's just again, the offensive line is is the majority of these issues with why this offense is struggling. You know, poor protection. You know, have trouble running the ball. Obviously, you need to get Dedrick Mills back in the mix of things, but it all starts up front, and they're just not playing well up, enough up front. And you know, now you're going against a team against Purdue this week. And you and Diaco and, and what their defense able is to do, and you maybe might be able to get some things going. But again, you're it's still a head scratcher offensively. And even though I thought Adrian played well, I thought Adrian played phenomenal. I thought he played really good. You know, for what what he was given threw the ball well, was pretty efficient, you know, and like you said, you said that one turnover, well, he didn't see it coming and just happened to fall right back into an Iowa's player's hands. So you got to, again, build build from the positives and then move on to Purdue and, and see if we can't get this thing figured out to, you know, finish three and four and, and then you get that crossover game, you know, somehow finish four and four. But that's 
obviously a, a long ways down the road. They got a lot of bigger issues to clean up and figure out going into Purdue. Jay Moore is with us, and he is co-host Big Red Wrap Up, his podcast. More to it. And he's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio at jmore 44 on Twitter. Recapping Nebraska-Iowa, we hit on a lot of things. Turnovers, offensive line play, just the offense continuing to sputter. You want that win-now urgency, which Coach Frost has, but there's also a bigger picture look with some of the offensive linemen. You're playing a lot of young guys, right? You're playing mm-hmm. young guys in front of some older guys, specifically at the center, the the guard, and the right tackle spot. And everyone's taking a turn on the offensive line, Jay. Uh, I want to focus there because it's affecting quarterback play. Either receivers can't get separation or there's a – pressure that that forces either luke or adrian to tuck and run right so when when there is an open receiver for a downfield pass they don't have time to get it there and then with the running game situation there's young pups carrying the football since mills has been out and it's just been really tough sledding in the run game why do you think the o-line's been uh it's been it's been sold high i mean right that was the the thing you're going to lean on this year with the experience mm-hmm. and the talent but it, it sure as heck hasn't lived up to the billing yeah i i bought all the stock this year on the offensive line and uh my roi has been crap so so far this year and it's you know Corey and i discussed this we recorded last night mm-hmm. you know and I, I think a lot of it is there's a certain unity of flow in this offensive line, and it starts with, you know, the center. And obviously, Cam's been struggling snapping the ball, and then he's getting his communications. And all of a sudden, you know, when you're you can't snap the football, I mean, you can't run, you can't play offense. Period. You can't play football. Period. If you can't get a clean snap, so his mind's racing a little bit. It might affect protections and mm-hmm. calls and certain things. And then all of a sudden, when you pull him out. You know, and those those five guys. You know, you go you go Hymas, Piper, Jurgens, uh, Farniak, Benhart. Those guys have probably been practicing all week. Then all of a sudden, you pull Cam out, and you move Farniak to center, and you bring in Bo Wilson. All of a sudden, I don't know how many reps you're getting with those guys when they're in there, but all of a sudden, your your unity, your communication, it's it's different. It doesn't feel right. We and I discussed this with Corey. I said all the times, you know that. When I'm, you know, playing, and I'm used to playing, like I said, with Titus Adams next to me or Barry Cryer, but when any of those guys went out, and whether it was, you know, Ty Steinkuhler or whoever came in next to me, even though we practiced and I have a good, you know, relationship with them, it just wasn't right. It just felt a little off, and I, and it just felt not as clean as I wanted to feel, even though. <laughs> even though, you know, I have to worry about my own things, but this things just felt a little off. So I wonder if, if they're just trying to figure out the right match here, and they're obviously experimenting, and you have some young guys, so it's just when the communication's off, and you just don't have those total reps. And like I said, you don't have, you know, you, I mean, even though they've got a ton of time to practice, you know, you still didn't have spring ball, and things have just been a little crazy with playing, not playing. So I just, I wonder if the communication's off, their unity, their feel, their flow is off as a group uh, of those five guys. And then you mix in poor center play, and then all of a sudden, that's, to me, that's just a recipe for disaster and bad O-line play. Like if they, they were, they've been 
there's some good things to, to highlight. And, and I don't want to say, you know, they're playing terrible for, you know, all 60-some snaps. No, they're doing some good things. But to be able to get over the hump and win football games in, in the Big Ten and to get this thing where it needs to go, you just can't have the poor inconsistent snapping issues, the, the penalties, and the poor play and the poor protection to, anymore. You just can't do it. We're not good enough. We're not, we're not the Kansas City Chiefs. You can't overcome, you know, second and 27s and third and, you know, 17th. We're just not, we're not good enough to, to do that. So I think it's a mix of everything. You know, Cam's got to play better. you got to get the start snapping the ball. And you know what? I think they're lacking a, a little bit of a physical nastiness, too. I just don't, I don't, I don't see, you know, us owning line of scrimmage. I saw a defensive line kind of get after a little better, and they kind of own a lot of that line of scrimmage, I thought, on Saturday. You just don't, you just don't see that. I don't see that nastiness and that, that, that dog in that group right now, which is it's, it's, it's frustrating. But, again, young, young guys. But, you know, I'm, I'm running out of excuses, you know, for, for that group because there's been a lot of football played in, in, those, in, in some of those guys. And you know we're this isn't the first game of the season now. You're you're five games into this, and you need to you know show some momentum, show some ability to get better week in and week out. And you know I, I I can't say that right now, which is is rather frustrating. A few more minutes with Jay Moore. We'll head to the other side. Uh, Jay will give us his thoughts on the defense and Purdue moving forward. We'll also hear from Scott Frost and Cam Jurgens. They are not going to move him from center. Do you agree with that? I see their reasoning, and uh, I'll explain a little bit more as to why you stick with Cam at center. It's dicey, because how's the rest of the team taking it? More with Hale Varsity, more with Jay Moore, We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run and NFL vet. He's Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. A couple more minutes. Jay Moore's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, uh, a thought on Snapgate. Uh, Coach Frost's postgame, Coach Ferentz's take. Yeah, you know, it can happen, but I, you know, I saw a clip, I think, on social media. You did see an Iowa coach clapping. I don't know. It's like, to me, you should be able to differentiate when a snap's coming from, like, 25, 30 yards away or it's coming directly behind you, mm-hmm. you know. But and here's the other thing. if Even if you do hear a clap, you should be able to snap the ball directly to the quarterback, not – six feet over his head or way over to the right or into his shin, mm-hmm. you still you gotta you should be able to execute the snap. That's that's not an excuse. So listen, I mean, could they be clapping? Sure. Should it should it affect you? Not really. I mean let's mean if there was, you know, seventy thousand people in that stadium, it's it's loud, it's crazy. You're I mean, there's all sorts of noises going on. I I it's 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 a much, you know, it's a mountain out of a molehill. To me, it, maybe they did clap, but again, you got to be able to differentiate and just snap it to them. Even if you did hear a clap and you got tricked, or they're clapping, the linebacker group's clapping, or someone's doing that, you know, you should be able to differentiate that. But still, snap it to Adrian, <laughs> and then you at least let him throw it away or or get rid of it, so you live another down, not you know, six feet to the right or into a shin to where 
you know, they were fortunate enough to get it back that one time it happened. But then, you know, you snap it way over his head, and he's running back, and all of a sudden you're, you lose 15 yards. It's just it's, – it's killer. It's an absolute killer in this offense, and it's, it's been plaguing us for the last two years. But it's not – it's much of nothing, you know. And by, I'm not going to give him, you know, an excuse of, of saying, oh, I snapped it poorly because I'm hearing the snaps. Well, he should be able to snap it, you know, three yards behind you to the quarterback. No, it should not be an issue, and it's got to get cleaned up because it's 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 obviously continually to hurt this offense. Jay, what uh, does the winning team get for the first Diaco Bowl? It's Purdue on Saturday. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, sweater vest. <laughs> sweater vest or sunglasses? I don't know. Or no, you get no. He's going to get the. You get the microphone that he holds out in front of his mouth. <laughs> the little tiny mic, the the lavalier yeah, clip you on. Get. <laughs> yeah, the tiny microphone game. Uh, that's funny. yeah. This is it's going to be an interesting one. You know, it's about a pick 'em. I think Purdue's what a one point favorite. Yeah, it's, it's over under is about sixty and a half, so sixty one. It's uh, feels like a thirty one thirty ball game. Yeah, I mean Purdue beat Iowa early in the year. You know when they didn't have Brom and. When he was out, and you know Rondell Moore has been hit or miss, and then he's been playing a little more. And then you got Bell, who's a really good receiver. Mm-hmm. This is this is a game. I mean, Nebraska can win. They should win this football game in my in my in my mind. But maybe I'm a little too naive and just I just continue to think that this team's going to get better and offensively and you know defense, defensively they'll be able to get some stops and get some turnovers. But listen, I it's I don't I don't even know what to expect anymore uh we've seen it we've seen it all this this season i just it i mean i just want to see some clean football i mean it doesn't have to be perfect by any means but get some points take care of the football limit the penalties and come out of there with a win it doesn't have to be pretty man just i'll take i'll take an ugly win any way possible um, in, in 2020. So they got their work cut out for them. I, I'd like to say, you know, they could go in and, and have their B or C game and win this football game, but that's obviously not the case. I mean, I think Nebraska's going to have to play really well to, to come out with a, with a W in uh, West Lafayette at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Let's see if they, uh, they get a jump start going, maybe get some momentum going. Uh, that Illinois game's always going to loom, but Nebraska, at least defensively, bounced back the right way. And this could be what the doctor ordered as bad as Purdue's defense has played. Maybe this helps spark Nebraska offensively. We'll see. Catch Jay uh, Tuesday night, Big Red Wrap Up on NETV. And uh, be sure to download the podcast on HailVarsity.com or iTunes or Spotify, Google Play. The More To It podcast with him and Corey McEwen. Jay Bird, enjoy your week. We'll talk soon. Thanks for jumping on, man. Yeah, you got it. Thanks, Wendy. Love hearing from Jay Moore. And uh, let's spend a few more minutes here on the center. Scott Frost today, and uh, Cam is the guy going forward. No, we need to get it fixed. Um, so we're going to get as much help, as many ideas as we can to get it fixed. He's too good a player not to have on the field. He's too good a player to, to even consider moving him out of that role or moving him somewhere else. But we can't continue the way we're going. Uh, we did a study this week, and we've scored on uh, our drives where we don't have a, a penalty, a bad snap, or a turnover. Uh, we've scored on 
over 90% of those drives. We just had far too many. The snaps last week hurt us. Uh, four or five of those, when you're only getting 63 plays in a game, uh, is about 10% of your offensive snaps, and it puts us behind the eight ball, puts us in third and longs. Cam cares as much as anyone on the team, so he wants to get it fixed. And uh, we'll do whatever we have to to make sure that we're getting it better. So you have gone to, to great lengths with the quarterback carousel. You have taken the step to bench Adrian Martinez. We'll hear more from Adrian next hour. You've gone back to Adrian Martinez. And now you've also removed Cam Jurgens in a couple of instances. And he was fine against Ohio State. You didn't get the Wisconsin game. And this started rearing its head against Penn State. Better front line competition. And whether there was clapping or not, I mean, it's it was a task to do your job against that front. So if you can bench Adrian and go back to Adrian, and you've benched Cam, and then you've gone back to Cam, your job is to train the lad, as Colonel Jessup said once upon a time. Now, that didn't end real well for the uh, the Marine recruit down in Guantanamo Bay. I'll say this. You're Nebraska. You put the weight on a, on a tight end. You've said the magic R word, Remington. And this is, this is about keeping your word and, and proof of concept and bigger reputation with Adrian and with your center Jurgens. Cause you said, this is the guy we want a quarterback. This is the guy we're going to turn into an elite center. And when he's snapping the ball, he's an elite center. But there's the mental side of things that have come through. You have phone numbers for Dominic Raiola. You have phone numbers for Dave Remington. You have phone numbers for Matt Verzel. If if it's not getting fixed by the guy or his teammates, then there there needs to be further outreach. Just go do your job. Easier said than done. I get it. But it can't that that's a narrow focus group that, that Frost laid out. Well, in drives we haven't had penalties or turnovers or bad snaps. How many of those have existed this season? I'm serious. But the I would I would stick with Cam as well. And and help him get better help him get it that's your job is to coach him up you also got to communicate that to the rest of your offensive line because if the team sees a guy screwing up and still getting time how does that reverberate we'll wind down hour one and now and now back to hail varsity radio thanks for hanging out it's uh, winding down our one hail varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. West Blue Realty is where you need to go if you're moving in 2020 or 2021. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding community. Give your friends at West Blue Realty a call. Tom Luby, 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, 402-202-2312. It pays to work. With West Blue, westbluerealty.com, 1120K Street, Suite 200. Uh, last thought here from Frost on the why, right? You got to tell today's generation why you're doing something. 
and the why Cam is so vital at that center spot because you screamed at your TV a lot this year, and part of the reason you've screamed at your TV or radio is because there's been a bad snap and it's derailed a drive. Nebraska overcame one of them and picked up a first down and picked up a touchdown. But uh, Cam's a guy they said, look, I know you're a tight end. We know you're high level. We're going to make you into an elite center. And uh, trust us, it'll work. And things looked okay early. And now they're skittish. And Nebraska's job for turning this tight end into a center is to make him and help him and stick with him and work through it. But if you got to bench him a few times along the way, so be it, because the greater good is to go win the football game. So it's a high-wire act. Uh, this is uh, Frost on, on the why. Again, why Cam's so much of a difference maker at center. He's smart. He's extremely athletic, and he's exceptionally explosive. He's you know still in some ways learning the position. He didn't play it until last season, but he's got the skill set to be really, really special at that position. So uh, we'll hear more from Adrian Martinez, more from Scott Frost. We're hoping to get Greg Smith around 525 if he's feeling better. And we're 10 minutes away from Charlie McBride. We'll dive headfirst into culture, the 90s way, relating and motivating to today's generation. Plenty to to get into because I was the, the narrative of today's press conference. You were right there against Iowa, but little things keep holding you back. How do you... How do you stop those little things from from happening? So Ted emails in and really got uh, good emails last week as well. Heading into Iowa, Dave emailed in about his level of optimism. Cautiously pessimistic, I guess, is what he said. Well, time permitting, we'll get into some of those. But it has been an interesting ride in 2020 for sure. Uh, and part of that is, you know, what do you do with the mistakes? Alex had an incredible email as well we'll get to. But a lot of Nebraska fans are frustrated. You liked the effort. You liked the fight. You just didn't like the result from Black Friday. I don't worry about this team against Purdue. I hope they get a chance to to play Minnesota. I'd love to see... Nebraska schedule Wisconsin. If if there's an open date, get it handled. Let's get that game back on the books. Ted says, look, uh, Schmitty, I appreciate your father's term, timeout generation. It basically says that punishment has been weakened. I call them participation medal generation. This adds that the rewards come more easily. Together, punishment is minor and rewards are given for only minor effort. I think you have the transfer issue that looms monstrous, and it starts in junior high with team hopping. I think coaches are powerless to keep kids around a program. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Thanks for your time. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is back in the saddle. We will hear from Greg Smith uh, on recruiting in a little bit. We welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself. Mondays with Charlie, the coach, the legend, Charlie McBride, joins us. Coach, you got any snow and rain up your way, or is it pretty pleasant? Well, we got we got what you call winter up here. It, it's, it does everything. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> gets cold. Yeah, I, I bet we uh, we sent you it's some not, some wind chill. Bad, well, you're yeah. probably you're probably sitting out in your lawn chair, sleeveless, knowing you how tough you are. No, I, I don't do that anymore. That's <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well. Uh, Let's uh, let's get into to Black Friday and another close loss, another one possession loss for Nebraska. Coach, what were your takeaways from the Iowa Nebraska game? Well, I, you know, it's the same. It's kind of the same story every week. It seems like, and uh, you know, I I uh, you know I like their effort a lot better, you know, this week than I I did in the you know the past week. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought, you know, they, they really picked it up. But the thing is, is consistency's got to start showing a little bit. And, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, and I, when when you, you know, you don't like, one thing is, is I don't, I don't want to get people thinking the wrong thing, but, or, you know, sure. uh, the thing is, is that you, you have to evaluate your program when the season's over yet. It's hard to try to make major changes or anything in the middle of the year, and I think you see that in the NFL when they fire a coach or something like that. It's just a mess, mm-hmm. you know. It's not not even comfortable, and and the players aren't comfortable in that. But I think if you do any kind of changes, whether it's a system, whether it's coaching, whether it's anything else, you know, you wait till the end of the year and you evaluate everything and. And look at it and see what happens because a lot of times when you get away from it a little bit, it things go back to normal and you know you may make some changes here and there, but uh, you know usually it's with the program. But that's what I think that the biggest thing you know that's going to have to happen, uh, no matter how the season ends up. You do it anyway. We did it every year. We sat down at the end of the year. And, you know, had a had a meeting and, and decided if there's some things we wanted to change and stuff like that. So, you know, it's not anything unusual, um, but you have to have it organized and you have to do it right. And, um, you know, I think you can involve your AD uh, if you want to or you don't have to, but you, you could. Uh, we did not, but uh, I know some schools do. And uh, because they actually ads actually require it, and mm-hmm. and they get their two cents to put in, so you don't know how it all goes. And I think the thing is, is that you know the penalties and all these things are, you know, those things are things players know about. Coaches can only say so much. So I think you know you, a lot of it once it starts happening and things like that, and uh, you you have to evaluate some of those things, but. You know, it's a matter of focus and concentration and, and, and things like that. Every play is a, a, another play. You, you forget the last one, whether it was good or bad, and get on to the next one and, you know, get yourself ready to go and do the best you can. 
Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, you're uh, well-versed in both lines of scrimmage, the offensive line, the defensive line, your time at Wisconsin with Mike Webster, best center uh, in, in pro football history, many would argue. And you watched uh, a really talented kid from, from Nebraska who's got all the athleticism and toughness in the world, but he's having a problem from time to time getting the most important part of the position executed in that snap in the football. What do you, what do, you do or say to help him move through it? Well, yeah, even when we weren't in the shotgun, we had, we had, you always have, you can see that happening on Sunday. I mean, there'll be a bad snap every once in a while where the center has to reach block and he has to step, Mm -hmm. you know, where it really takes, you got to get there and, but you also have to snap the ball and sometimes you do half of each. No, (laughs) I got you. I got you. The ball goes on the ground. And so when you're when you're in that position, a lot of times. And the other thing is, is you know, if it's a wet ball or slippery ball, you've got to have a guy that's got big hands that could really, you know, handle the football pretty good when it's wet and stuff like that. So there's a lot of little things to look at. Uh, you know, I I don't question that kid's competitiveness or the kid that he isn't going to work on it. You know, if you if you have somebody that just you know is blasé about it and doesn't really care. You know, sometimes they, you know, well, he did it again, you know. But I don't think that kid's that way. And I, you know, I I wouldn't, you know, you you get upset about it because you're, it's not, it's, it ends, it, 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 you know, it just ends your series and and things like that. But uh, I think, you know, it's just a matter of just keep keep working. I I know that he's, he's doing, he's trying as hard as he can. And that, I, you know, I don't have to worry about him. I've. You know, you know him from watching him in high school play and how he, how he attacked things, and um, so he's gonna he's gonna be fine. It, it just that it's happening, you know now, and and you also have to look at the fact that you know maybe it's not happening at other places because those guys have all been centers before. Right. This guy's a new position, moved from tight end to center. I mean, that's like <laughs> I don't know what it's like, but I didn't do that, but. I, I, you know, it's it happens, you know, that kind of thing, and it it doesn't just happen overnight. And so, spring ball really is one of the things that has really probably hurt him not having that 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 time to really really get down to it where it's a natural thing. Coach, uh, the topic of of culture was pretty prevalent today with uh, Scott's press conference and. The, you know, modeling things after the 1990s and also just the, the tough love aspect with how you have to treat and communicate and deal with 2020s athletes, how you have to talk yeah. to and deal with kids. It's different than when I grew up. It's different than when people that are that are older grew up and it's just uh, it's just how the approach has been in a lot of college programs and i want your your insight as to kind of define the the culture of the 90s in i know why it's modeled because you won a lot and guys held each other accountable but how how has that process gone about and how was it accepted uh when it comes to the that locker room leadership and what 
what the coaches allowed the kids to the, and the, the kids to to do when it comes to dealing with their peers. Well, I think one of the things is it all starts at the beginning of the year with your explanation of what you expect and how you expect to do it. Uh, you know, there. You know, like I, I think I've said this before, but mm-hmm. every coach has to coach the way he coaches. Uh, if you come in and the guy says, well, I don't want you to do this and I don't want you to do that, and the coach does that because that's part of the way he operates, then it's probably not going to be a happy session. So I don't know about that. But, you know, I know Coach Osborne never in, in, in any time ever, you know, questioned a uh, you know, a coach, how he taught his techniques, or he never told him how he wanted to, you know, I want him to step with this foot instead of that one, and it was all up to you, and as long as it was working, he was happy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you have to do. You have to sell your point and, and do it that way. But I think, you know, if you treat the place like it's a country club, uh, you know, it's not going uh, to work. Um, it's it's there's got to be some hard discipline for some people and you know it's not it's not that you're not supposed to go out there and start screaming and yelling and I don't mean that at all mm-hmm. I, that that's probably over exaggerated but you know I think there's certain kids that have to be that you know you have to do that all of a sudden it's kind of like when I was little my mom said no 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 and pretty soon I, she said no enough and she's spanking you mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know. That that kind of you know tells you what the what the story is. I think a lot of kids have been told how wonderful they are when they're in high school and they weren't yelled at by their coach or something. And you know, I think you have to tell them that that's going to happen. You know, and that and that you know that this is going to happen. I mean, I always used to tell the kids how I was. I mean, you know, and tell them it's going to be hard and I'm going to jump all over you and and stuff like that. As long as they know what to expect, and something doesn't surprise them. And, and the other thing is that you're not embarrassing any, any part of their family or their, his character mm-hmm. or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the words that, that we really did never really, really had, couldn't use was dumb. Right. Don't call a kid dumb. You know, I mean, I, you don't want to be called dumb. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're they're mature. They know they made a mistake, you know. And so some of the some of the terminology a lot of guys use they're not not good. But if they aren't, and you're using them, then the head coach just simply goes and says, "Hey, we don't do that here," <laughs> and he does it in private. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't do it in front of the other coaches or anything else. He waits for the right time and then makes it a private situation. The thing that concerns me a little bit, and I'm, I don't know this for a fact, uh, they have 100, I think I counted 148 kids on the team. Well, with 148, we figured that was probably the max that we could have uh, because the more walk-ons we got, the harder it was to get them all fitted into practice. Well, we went to four stations. We had four stations, and we were able to utilize everybody, and I remember as it got down to the end, we actually did, we didn't do it, but we actually talked about going to 135 because mm-hmm. we could do our practice and the things we wanted. <clears throat> and you still have from 85 to 135, that's walk-ons. <laughs> so, you know, you're still getting a lot of kids and a lot of character, you know, kids that are in the state and, you know, nearby, nearby states and things like that. So... 
you know, it, it all has to be it all has to be uh, cut in stone before you even start out uh, year. This year's been so messed up that that I don't know how to explain it. To any, I don't think anybody can explain it. I think there's been a lot of schools that you know have have maybe done the right things and 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 so on and so forth. I you know Northwestern isn't a big surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, they get a quarterback that's pretty good from Indiana or want to transfer in and and that and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, they picked up a lot of transfers and, and, and things like that. So, you know, I don't know. He'll be gone in a year and every, you know, is that worth it? Is, mm-hmm. is all that, that worth it? Well, maybe at Rutgers, you know, to have a transfer come in and, and take over their pro, you know, their quarterback position was a good, right thing for them to do. They may have had nothing, but it looks like they did have some kids, but they were young and so on and so forth. So, you know, you have to you have to really evaluate, and you have to, you know, you, you have to be brutally honest. You cannot just beat around the bush. You have to be, in this, in this kind of deal, if you want to be in a winning program, you first of all, you're honest with all your players. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you tell them exactly what, what you're going to do, how you're going to, you know, evaluate them. And normally, you know, I don't know them, but I started them out with hard, you know, tough, you want to call it tough love or whatever it is, and I could see by their reaction how they sometimes how they reacted to it. Some guys loved it. I mean, some guys, you know, that they, they, that's the way they were coached in high school and so on and so forth. So, some of them are used to that. I mean, you have all Americans that have been their rear ends have been chewed out at practice, and they, you know, in, in the, on the sideline. And there's some that don't. You don't. You know, you, you know, you you have conversation and you have private visits and you have stuff like that. You can get your you can you can get your program straightened out. I mean, easy enough. Coach, I've, I know I've get... I spent a little time, like with Kenny Kenny Walker, mm-hmm. who was deaf. I had to spend some extra time with him before and after meetings. Well, and, and Kenny was an incredible player, and I'm I got about a minute here, but it, I, I would bet that Kenny was a guy who liked being coached hard. Pardon? I said I would bet Kenny was a guy who liked being coached hard. Yeah. Well. It, you know, one of the things is, is the terminology that they hear have as deaf people. Mm-hmm. The people don't understand a lot. They have no terminology for football. It all had to be made up by Mimi, Man, and him, and sure. that's the most amazing thing of the whole the whole thing. It wasn't necessarily me coaching. It was the communication that she was able to come up with, and and you know, and Kenny, so that we could talk about. You know what mm-hmm. names of things, names of blitzes, names of stuff like that, and um, you know that's it's all new sign. I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty. You know, that's a tough, that's a tough, tough thing to do. And and there, you know, there was nobody that 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 was is responsible for Kenny being learning the position except Mimi Mann, sure. and she was something. She was his interpreter, and 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 actually, I don't know. I think maybe I saw her at practice one time. Mm. And when I get upset with Kenny, all he do is turn away from me and walk away. He just turn his back to me, so he don't have to hear me. That's pretty good. Charlie McBride's with his coach. We'll see if it's a better uh, result this Saturday. Thank you so much for for talking a little bit about culture in '90s and 
that tough love tough love aspect of coaching football. It was great to chat with you. Okay, well, thanks for having me. I'll, I'll talk to you next week after we win. That's a good idea. You take okay. care, Coach. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye now. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride on Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Open phones. Rest of the show. You can jump in. Your thoughts on Nebraska, Iowa? Are you more optimistic because it was another close one against another ranked team? You've got a similar situation a loss by six to Iowa, uh, a loss earlier in the year to Northwestern. Are you sick of it and over it with? Just Nebraska finding ways to, to not execute and go win a game like that. I mean, it's astounding where Nebraska's at when it comes to one-possession games, and they had a chance to drive, and you had the uh, strip sack do Nebraska in. So, you have Purdue left for Nebraska, and then I don't know about Minnesota, and then you also have that week nine, so... Listen, uh, Illinois has tainted things. You go play a good enough game, but you, you find a way to lose against Iowa. Can join us, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. And what's your take on, on all the attrition? Are you concerned about it as a Nebraska fan when you have a lot of high-level talent departing the program? Uh, the latest, the update, the official word from Whiteout, Marcus Fleming here, Scott Frost. Yeah, Marcus, we wish him the best. He's not going to be on the team anymore. So we'll move on and uh, feel feel good about that position where it is. Fleming is the fifth member of the Nebraska 2020 recruiting class that's left the team since late May. You've got Henry Gray. You have Jaden Francois. You have Keyshawn Green. You have Ronald DeLancey. And now you have Marcus Fleming. Gets into a bigger picture here with kids and coaches. And who is the adult? Who's making the rules? Who's following the rules? Do you agree with the rules? And if I'm Marcus Fleming, I'm going to look at both sides of the coin here. If I'm Marcus Fleming, I know I'm more talented, physically gifted, faster than some of the dudes that are in at the end of game situations or that are seeing playing time above me. If I'm the coaching staff and you give Marcus Fleming a little bit of cup of coffee, i.e. five catches, 75 yards, because he was getting open and doing his thing against Northwestern. Hey, look, coach, look what I did against Northwestern. Why am I not seeing more time? Why am I not seeing the football? And there's no, we're not inside the walls of the program. We don't know what's up. Is the player's attitude problematic? Is the player right? And to me, you look at this setup where there's an Alante Brown, there's a Xavier Betts, there's some really talented dudes that you've worked hard to recruit. 
and you've worked hard to mine Florida. And listen, I do not believe Travis. Travis Fisher's the last guy in America to promise playing time or starting time because he has a weekly chart and it's a performance chart. Who did well Monday through Thursday? Who's going to start? So the it boils down to kids have a hell of a hard time being patient, and we all did at that age. We thought we were ready. We thought we knew it all. It's also your job as, as a position coach to level with the kids. And if the kids aren't doing what they need to do or they're not locked in at practice, because you are playing young guys, I mean, there's an adjustment to college football, what it truly takes, because guess what? You had a just a brutal week of practice for Illinois, and, and you saw what happened. I mean, you got to do the little things, as Scott Frost has talked about, to, to earn your way onto the field. From a pure talent standpoint, yeah, great. But you just can't be handed out candy, is once, what, what has once been said before. So, yeah, is Nebraska letting really impressive athleticism gather dust on the sideline in some instances? For sure. Have they lost out on some guys that could have been great here? Probably, but you're not going to change your standard. But you better be damn sure your standard is, A, attainable, and B, is unison. That standard has to be that way for everybody. And I just wonder if some of that is is causing frustration on top of being away from home and you're away from home and you're not playing and there's no crowd and it's a different situation and it's easier to just say, screw it, I'm, I'm leaving. And that's what's happening. I, you have a lot of coaches that are just handcuffed. You have attrition at Alabama. You have attrition at USC. You have attrition at, at Clemson. You just do. And there's no 1,000% batting average here. You're going to go get guys that you work hard to recruit. And Miami Northwest is a hell of a program. Marcus Fleming came from. They're incredible. That's where Levante went. That's who wins the state championship in Florida's largest class every year. But when push comes to shove, the kids got to take to coaching, take to, to the word no, and it's the kid's job to turn it into a yes. It's also the coach's job to maximize talent. So I don't know if... They didn't trust Fleming, just as an example, or was Fleming not doing enough in the playbook? So the broader picture and topic today was culture and the ability to relate and reach kids in 2020 and this generation. Kids are a little different now. I don't think there's as much tough love for a lot of kids when they grow up. Our, our program is going to be all about love first, and the toughness has to be built in along with that. That's how you reach players. Uh, today, in my opinion, if they know you care about them, then they'll uh, and genuinely care about them, then they'll do about anything for you. Uh, and once you develop that connection through experiences with people, uh, then it's your job as a as a coach and and sometimes kind of as a, a second parent to teach them how to be tough, teach them how to be resilient, teach them how to be detailed and do all the little things right. That takes a while. Uh, particularly when you're starting starting off with new kids. I think our staff does a great job of that. Again, this year we're playing a lot of young kids that haven't 
maybe learn some of those lessons as, as many times as the old ones. And the culture piece, you know, I mentioned it after the game. It's gotten better and better and better, but it's still got to come from the locker room a little bit, and, and we're trying to train that, and hopefully we'll get some more time around the young guys. Last thought here on culture from Scott Frost. And, yeah, as a head coach, you are you are handcuffed unless you are able to get a kid from a program in high school where there is yelling and screaming and tough love. Is a kid used to it? Can a kid take it? And does a kid understand it? I mean, is the coach just an a-hole, or is the coach trying to, to, to button push you to be great? Probably a little bit of both in some instances. And what can you take? You got to know your personnel. And I think right now there's just a lot of kids that are not like Adrian Martinez. And Adrian Martinez responded to a benching. He stayed ready. He stayed a great teammate. And if you're a Nebraska fan, you're cheering for that dude because you need about 140 more of him in your program from a mentality and a mindset. But I fear that too many coaches have to walk on eggshells or risk losing a Marcus Fleming or, and, and listen, or a Keyshawn Green, or you, you beat out a lot of big-time programs to get these guys, and to lose them is, is a really bad look. But big picture-wise, if they aren't going to fit or they weren't the type of player off the field or committed to getting on the field, then you got to cut them loose, and you're not going to – you don't want to lose numbers and you don't want to lose talent like that, but ultimately you got to let them go. It's their decision. Last thought here from Frost on culture. Yeah, well, I, I think you said it. Uh- the impatient side. Code cut six here. As far as uh, departures and things like that, you know, first of all, we have to make sure that we we're recruiting the right kids, not just the right athletes. Um, we have to make sure that we're going to recruit the type of kid that's going to flourish in Nebraska. Um, and and I think certain kids are going to come here and assimilate and love it. Uh, maybe there's a few others that uh, wouldn't. Um, I went somewhere else and it didn't fit me, so that's not unusual. Um, this has been a tough year too, like I said. And, you know, kids can't go to the mall right now. They can't be around other students. Um, I compliment our players for being really disciplined. We haven't had COVID issues, so they've been doing things the right way. And one of the biggest selling points of this place is is playing in front of a sea of red, and we haven't even had an opportunity to do that. So it's it's been a tough year, but it starts with us making sure we get the right kids. Uh, Sam, I also think in this day and age. There's a little more impatience. I was fairly higher, highly ranked guy coming out of high school. I didn't play till my fourth year of college. That's not unusual. Still worked out pretty well. Uh, but but a lot of kids now, if it if it's not working immediately, um, get impatient. And we we try to teach our guys patience as far as that and resilience as far as that goes too. Scott Frost was asked about you know could the Grant Wistrom Jason Peters style of leadership. Does that work today? Could it work today? And that was, you want to talk about self-policing, that was to the nth degree where you you really feared those guys in the locker room because they'd probably hand out a beating or so if you weren't doing your job. They would hold you accountable. And they were the best players, so they they were listened to. 
<laughs> okay, they were listened to. And listen, you, you were winning a lot of football games. Uh, I think kids have a lot of respect for some of the guys on the team. I think there's probably some young guys that are disgruntled right now because they've been stars and they're not playing and they think they're probably, and it's age old, right? Why isn't my kid playing? He's better than this hack in front of him. Well, no, you're, you're, <laughs> I mean, I remember the car ride home with Junior. Dude, you're a butcher at third base. This is third grade. You're horrible. I love you much, but you, you need to get better. We don't have time? Nah, I should have shut up about third base. We'll hear from, from Scott Frost on the, uh, the 90s culture and the, the Jason Peters and, and Grant Wistroms of the world uh, when it comes to how they made that culture a reality that was a winning culture. And it's just kids either can't take it or don't want to take it today. And not every kid is that way. But it's just soft, and I sound like an old guy. I, I sound like Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino, sitting on my front porch just grunting, grunting and going back in my day. That's that's not what I mean by it, but it's just different. you got to be able to find a way to connect and then get results. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Winding down this second hour, great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt. Damon Barr, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Damon Barr. That's two R's for Damon and uh, still some more thoughts on Nebraska. I know Husker Hoops gets rolling tomorrow against South Dakota. They uh, turned it on in the second half against North Dakota State. Uh, Nebraska's got some dudes defensively uh, for Coach Hoiberg's squad, and, and they got with it offensively. The, the, the tail of the tape will be here in about uh, a little less than two weeks when they hook up with Creighton. COVID permitting, we'll get into some big 10 issues with Northwestern and Minnesota. You know, what does the Big Ten championship game actually look like? And what's the likelihood Nebraska is able to to play three games here into December? Let's just get Purdue taken down first. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Rick Kaczynski back with us. We'll spend some time with Rick Pizzo. Mitch Sherman will join us. So some more thoughts here from Adrian Martinez. Really good stuff today from Nebraska's media session, not only from Scott Frost, but Adrian Martinez. And I I guess my big picture take on not only the attrition with some of the the high-level athletes that have left the program from 2020 out of Florida and just also the, uh, the little things that are missteps, be it penalties and uh, missed assignments and, and turnovers. I mean, it's, it's, it's all a mess, and some of you are sick of culture talk, and I get it. But, again, it's that, that cement that gets poured that needs to be ultra-sturdy. And you just need to have some success, and you keep getting in your own way about having success, so that may cause some questions about culture and accountability and above all just where where you're at as a program what type of direction and leadership do you have i mean those questions are flying around and when it comes to tough love i mean 
guys don't like getting yelled at. Nobody likes getting yelled at. But it can be uh, an ultimate motivator to get you better. Do guys understand, and part of that's coachability, do guys understand why you're getting screamed at? And it, it can't be just your your first step personality. You can't be Phil Almation. Elmo was a screamer under the uh, under the Callahan staff. Guys hated him. And if you take a poll, a lot of guys really didn't like Charlie McBride, but they ended up getting it. They saw themselves getting better, and what he taught them and told them and how he motivated them got them really, really good. And they said, wow, this dude knows what he's talking about. He does care about me. You've got to have that 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 duality of being able to to get in somebody's face, but also give him a hug. And I don't know how much screaming is going on in comparison or in the ratio of hugging. I mean, at some point, you can't come over to the sideline and say, it's okay. Snap went 37 yards over the quarterback's head. Or it's okay, there's another holding penalty on a 31-yard gain. Or it's okay, there's a false start. And if you're an older guy at tackle or at guard, I mean, where's, where's, the, where's the punishment? You're, again, allowing it to happen. So am I saying let's bench Ben Hart, let's bench Piper? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying there needs to be repercussions. And that goes for any position or any player. And case in point, when we hear the, the, the topic of conversation being competition, Look how well Deontay Williams and Dismuke have responded, right? They, they played really, really well. And you, you saw Miles Farmer kind of burst onto the scene against Northwestern, and man, that guy had an impact. Well, what have you seen from Nebraska's secondary? And I know you had a, a DPI that was kind of a hose job call on Deontay. But Deontay's really played well in his return. Dismuke's been phenomenal. I know there's some screaming and moaning about where his head is at and the wrapping up part of things, but both Nebraska's safeties are murdering people with hits. Nebraska's linebackers, I mean, what you got from Reimer and Honus was incredible. What you got from from Snacks on Black Friday was big time. He went up against a hell of an interior player in Iowa Center and Damian played great football. He was nice. He was real nice. So guys that are that are pushed, I've given you just an example from a competition standpoint, they've responded. And then there's examples of attrition because of playing time or fit or homesickness. But here's Adrian on the topic of of the little things that doomed Nebraska Friday. I don't know that we're going to not see that faucet of little things shut off. It's just what it is this year. Why? I think there's some reality and it's not an excuse where you didn't have spring football and you didn't have much of fall football. I think that's, I think that's true. I mean, you're better the more you practice. And the, 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 the more you practice like it's a game situation, the more physical you are. You're going to be better during game situations. Nebraska's a program that needs development. 
and you're trying to develop and you're trying to win now and you're also trying to play young guys and it's a horrific storm. That's why your record's garbage. I also think there needs to be uh, maybe and maybe there is. I don't know. But I think there needs to be a point where you can lose it as a coach and get in your guy's face. They're not trying to, to make mistakes, but you need to be able to either somebody on that team needs to get frustrated and, and let it fly, and maybe that's happened. Or maybe everyone's walking on eggshells because we've got a team in Lincoln of guys who can't take getting yelled at. I don't know. I hope that that's not the case. Here's Adrian. I would say we're just going to have to continue to, to keep putting effort towards those things in practice. Uh, I think that's all we can do. And I think those teams that do execute those little details, um, they're doing those things in practice and they're, they're executing it when their name and the time uh, calls for them to do so in the game. And um, obviously that's, that's me getting better in practice. That's um, our whole offensive unit. Um, we're going to keep hammering those details, and I think that's all we can really do. More from Adrian here. Do we have time for cut 17? No? Yes? Maybe? Okay. Here's Adrian Martinez here. Uh, back to his adversity, understanding the benching. Yeah, I feel like the coaches did a good job of that, and I'm not really going to give up too many details here because I think stuff like that needs to stay in-house. Yeah, I had a complete understanding, and again, it wasn't going to change my mindset towards practice, towards games. I was still going to approach everything with the same sort of intensity and competitiveness that I would usually, and obviously being that captain, being a good teammate to others, that stuff wasn't going to change. There's your guy. Follow his lead. And uh, maybe it kind of permeates the rest of the locker room so there's less attrition for Nebraska. Some NFL thoughts when we come back. We'll wind down a Monday on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time and a perfect example of the tough love topic from home. So nearly 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash is buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So the search is over. Uh, Uncle Mark was able to secure a PlayStation 5 for Junior. Just coming down. Why is that important? Again, tough love. So the street value is about a grand for these things. And Uncle Mark being, again, a student of tough love, is selling it to my kid for $1,500. Not just... I mean, we're talking the, the family markup. And Junior's in negotiations with him right now. Got him down to fourteen fifty, But he's like, I want it sold. So, listen, that tough love is great. It's capitalism. And for Junior, that's uh, a year's worth of scooping and mowing and 
it's our job to hold him accountable. And we'll take a sledgehammer to that thing uh, if he steps out of line too many times. That's our version of benching him. But uh, So, Damon, what is the plan tonight? Are you watching any Monday night? Well, I guess, is there any football tonight? I don't know. I well, that, that goes to show you what I'm not going to do, I guess. Right. Is it uh, is it dinner time? Are you putting a futures bet on how many Big Ten games actually get played? Uh, I'm definitely picking the under on that one, whatever it is. But it's a little a little leftovers from a my birthday dinner had this weekend. Little, little so you hit twenty two. Twenty two. Nice a, man. A little leftover lasagna tonight. Good work. So Vic from Colorado checks in, and Vic from Denver is one of our favorite people. He was asking if. Uh, the, the guy who was doing the, the weather uh, was Mr. Hat's uh, voice guy from, from South Park. Mr. Hat, the teacher. Can you access that, that file and play, mis- play the weather guy? You don't know? Well, anywho, he sounded crazily like Mr. Hat. <laughs> Children. Uh, yeah, Vic, I don't know is, is the question. Or the answer, rather. But let's see where Nebraska goes. We'll dive further into Purdue, but a lot of psychoanalysis today. And listen, the intent wasn't to wear you out with it, but it, it was it was something that needed to be talked about because clearly your, your quarterback and your captain took the, uh, the emotion and handled it and looked good. Defense played well. Special teams still ticks you off. And Nebraska needs to to find a way to win these games. We've said this all season long. And it's been exhausting for the team, for the coaches, and for you, the fans. But, you know, I hope as we get closer to signing day that Nebraska has hit on some targets that can stay patient and get coached up. And Nebraska's got to coach up some dudes. Back at you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity.